Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back, man. Market Mondays. We got our London um edition. Yes. Hoodie patches on us. I miss London. Shout out to the Red Panda fam. Hey. Market Mondays. You know what it is. Well, yeah, you know that. EYL. Hey, y'all Jeezy interview going crazy. Shout out to Jeezy. Shout out to Jeezy's had a big week, man. His album's out. He did the Neil Long situation. 
Then, you know, Stephen A didn't didn't take it like into the interview that much. Got a few faster. <laughs> it was ten of us in jail. Million dollars. Yeah, it's dirty Mac ten million. I said, boy, I doubt. You know what? It's it's interesting. We had that conversation about Dirty Mac and um. I didn't, I don't they both were dirty back in. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how somebody would view it that way. I didn't necessarily think that initially. Hearing someone else's perspective, I could understand why they, somebody would say that. Yeah, well, what can you do, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a hell of a week, man. We was all over. Oh, we was in L.A., and then we was in Houston. Um, and we were in another undisclosed location. Hey. <laughs> that was clean. That's the one boy. If you can shoot, that was shot, clean. Man. That was clean. We were yeah, oh, undisclosed God. location with uh some some really interesting and very intelligent people. Uh and some very insightful conversations were had. This will be a Netflix series five uh, years from now. You think? Mm -hmm. Perhaps, perhaps five years. Perhaps sooner. When I saw the car go up, I said, oh, boy. Diplomatic <laughs> <laughs> immunity. You hey, for real. One and two. You don't, you don't know who we know. For sure. Un casa. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Un casa. Uh, but nah, shout, shout out to Honeyland Festival. That was really dope. Marcus Samuels and Fawn Weaver. We got to interview them in, in Houston, Texas. And shout out to everybody that was out there. Um, that was dope. Um, big week for Earn Your Leisure. We have my boy Derek Hayes. Yeah. Hey, um, they killing he, it right now too. Big Dave Cheesesteaks. Um, you know, just a power couple, him and Pinky. And what he's been able to do with his business um, is commendable. You know, he's in Mercedes-Benz Stadiums. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he has cheesecake uh, line. And he just franchised his business. Cheese That's what I said. Cheesesteak. Sound like cake. Um, he's franchised his business, and he's about to go to 200 locations, I think, nationwide. Yep. And he's been he's he's been all over CNBC and everywhere talking about that. So yeah, was in was in the Forbes uh, last week. I know they just did American Sess, the the reality uh, show that they're talking about uh, expanding and having and uh, networks pick up on. So a lot going on with Derek in his own right. I know a lot of times people just they see Pinky and and all the love that she's gets, but his brand is just as powerful, man. So shout out to Derek, yeah. good dude, solid dude, good Philly brother. Oh, yep, for sure. Um, so all right, check it out tomorrow, one o'clock on Earn Your Leisure. Ian, any announcements? Yeah, stock club call this week will be at Saturday at 3 p.m. Central. I had an amazing time here in Toronto uh with the guys at M to M Con. Uh put on a hell of a performance. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. Shout out to the brother who's up three thousand percent off an NVIDIA call. Woo. We talking different. Damn. I keep saying I wanted a few go around the world every time. If I made you money, you know. Hey, we okay. gotta have a talk one day about the importance of partnerships and sticking together and remaining like you can be this shit and still rock with a team. We gotta have that. Our community needs that. Shout out, gonna do it today. <laughs> Shout out to you. We, <laughs> while we were in Houston at the Huntington event and even a couple other places in Houston, people were like, "Man, I'm putting yes in chat. Just running up on us, yeah. I'm putting yes yeah. in chat. We made money. Where's Ian at? Every time we go somewhere, man, they, they, they assume that you're with us. So uh, yeah. shout out to you. Joliet looked like a vibe too. Jolie was yeah, it was a nice situation. Yeah. Yeah. Shout, out to, shout out to the Houston family, man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we regional, can't go any further. Regional talent. It's November 13th. <laughs> I want to give a happy birthday wishes to my brother Abdullah. So. Absolutely. Valid Soul on Instagram, the CEO of Earn Your Leisure, but so much more than that, man. This is a young man that I've watched since he was nine years old to be where he's at now. Everything has been earned. This is one of the hardest working, most diligent, Hands uh, most professional 
uh, I don't even want to say young adults, just adults, period, because I know plenty of people older than him who don't conduct themselves like he does. So I want to wish him nothing but love and success on this birthday and uh, best wishes for many more. Happy birthday. A yeah, happy birthday, my guy. AB, the general. The general. Came and took the crown from a lot of people, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Work hard every day. That's the blueprint. He a prime example of just getting up, getting to it, being solid, having a great system in place. You can take over real fast. I'm proud of you, man. Happy birthday. That's a fact. That's a fact. And while we're here, uh, let's talk about our disclaimer before we get into it. All right. Our content is intended to be used. It must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show and wish to rely upon whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise. This is a disclaimer read to you by the good brothers at Earn Your Leisure and the good brother Ian Dunlap, the master investor himself. Continue to do the research and share it. And when it's great, give give credit to the people you found it from. Love is love. Yes. Before we get started, is there any other questions you would have asked our guest last week? Or um, what did you think of the interview overall? Real quick, and then we'll skate out. RFK? Um, yes. I mean, I got to ask two questions. I thought that they was important questions to ask about Israel Palestine. Came out with a haymaker. And reparations. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that um, the people had an opportunity to see somebody that, you know, is a, a candidate. I think he said like 10% in swing states. He's mm -hmm. actually, you know, making national news. So it's not just yeah. like a... a just a random person like he's actually a contender in the race to actually at the very least cause some this level of disruption i think a lot of people um have were thinking about or are thinking about voting for him so i think that it's important to just you know highlight that and also i think it's important that we educate the um i think it's important that we educate the listeners yes um properly on about what exactly media is so i think that we are in a unique this um place as far as how people view us is like they know us personally, right? So when they look at us, they look at like, if you bring somebody on your platform, that means you're friends with them. Or that means that you're endorsing this person. Or it's yeah. like, but you never look at CNN or Bloomberg or Wall Street Journal or, or ABC yeah. or NBC like that, right? Like to have a level of journalism, you can't just bring people on that you know personally or that you have personal relationships with. That's not, that's not the point of it. The point of it is to bring people on that have some level of um, notoriety in society to actually, you know, let them express themselves. And you as an educated person makes a decision. That's important. Yeah. Um, so it, it's no, it's no benefit in like picking and choosing, cherry picking, gatekeeping who comes on and who doesn't come on. Like that's not actually beneficial to you because you're not fully informed. Right. So um, I just think that it's important for people to understand that. Like somebody comes on the platform, that doesn't, that's not a ringing endorsement of that person. That's not saying, because I was a few people like, why'd you give this person a platform? Like, why'd I even give him a platform? Well, it's not really up to us to make a decision because Donald Trump will be on the platform, be honest. Big, big Fendi. So I don't want to, that's why I'm lining this up now. I don't want to hear, <laughs> I don't, don't want to hear, hear the, yo, you sold out. Da, 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 da. Look, it's not about that. It's about these people are potential world leaders or current world leaders, right? It's important that we have them on the platform, just like CNN. Nobody will look at CNN like, why are you interviewing Joe Biden? Why are you interviewing? Like, no, this is level of journalism. So have respect for it. Like I yeah. said, this isn't the barbershop. This isn't your homeboys. I understand that we have a level of endearment with the community, and that's important. But I think it's important to be to educate the consumers to know that this is a highly respected platform. 
and you're not always going to agree with everybody that comes on the platform and we don't always agree with everybody that comes on the platform yeah. but that's okay right but don't hold us to the standard of we only have to bring people on that are pro-black we only have to bring people on that we like personally we only have to bring people no it's not true we're going to bring on a variety of different people from all spectrums of society because that's important yeah i think it's really important to hear both sides the thing that i saw that since the comments raging was the issue about reparations and i'm like if you think his conversations were bad you'll never be ready for the conversations at the world economic forum or council on foreign relations like reparations are never going to happen this is why put out shows every week to show you how to invest and make money on your own. If we really like, and I kept saying it, reparations alone will bankrupt the entire world. So why would that be given? If a upper respiratory virus sent the GDP dropping by 11%, what do you think reparations will do? So it's really important to hear both sides. And to be very honest, we came in and asked the tough questions right away. There were no softball questions. Yeah. So you got to enjoy it. Um, it. But if you are mad at his commentary, the ones that are going to win, oh, yeah. baby. All right. That, that's a commentary that act, the person actually knows are being recorded, right? Yeah. Like this is a public forum. And so the conversations are a little bit different. I didn't think it was the, the responsible harsh, but they, they needed to be heard, right? Like we're talking about a country that is split, right? 48%, pretty much 48%. It's the margins that are going to matter. That, that you know, That's part of the conversation that we, we're not having, right? Like, Wall Street Journal wrote this weekend how RFK potentially could decide the election. Yes. Right. Because if he has 4% uh, that's outstanding or that are looking at his interests, well, whose interests are closely aligned? Is it the right or is it the left? Mm -hmm. And if they swing either way, that technically could decide the election. So, I mean, that conversation needs to be had, but because it's important to hear, I want people to hear the answers, right? They might have seen him on other platforms. They might've read about him. They may have heard other media uh, coverage about who this person is, but the fact that we got to bring him here, ask those questions, he was candid, he was long-winded about the answers, Absolutely. it gets you to furthermore understand who you're dealing with. And if you agree with it, great. If you don't agree with it, and I use I, I just use Trump because he's like the most polarizing person, but <laughs> I'm just using that as an example of any politician that because we will be with a lot of politicians. You will see us with politicians and we will have politicians on the platform because that's important. It's election season yeah. and um, politics to, runs the world. So I'm, le I'm letting you guys know in advance <laughs> that so I don't I don't want to hear the oh, why is he with this person? Why is he with this person? Look, we're apolitical and we're centrist. Well, I don't want to speak for every single person. I'm a centrist. I am. Okay. So we're apolitical and, the majority. And, and, lost. and we're centrist. <laughs> Are you not a centrist? Uh, I lean that way. And you don't have to be. I'm just asking you a question. I said I lean that way. All right. Cool. So um, that means that don't say, oh, you sold out. No. Look at us at CNN. I don't, I don't never hear Wolf Blitzer getting criticized <laughs> for interviewing any anybody. For the culture, I don't want to hear that either. I heard Wolf Blitzer getting criticized, yeah. so don't don't do that. But one thing I think it's an education process, right? Because we look at black media, we look at black people just differently, um, and we hold them to different levels of, of, you know, just everything. So, yeah. nope, don't do that. Treat yeah. us like Wall Street Journal. Treat us like CNBC. Treat us like ABC News, because you would never criticize any of these people for bringing any politician on. So as we bring more politicians on, you can make informed decisions about who you would choose to vote for, who you choose to support, and who you do not want to vote for, and who you do not want to support. And if you don't like the current political environment, then you should get involved in politics. Yep.
If we can get Dr. Umar and Trump on at the same time, boy, I'll be elated. You don't find that suspicious? <laughs> <laughs> boy, I go crazy. Uh, and, and, and lastly, for everyone who's like, well, I have a politician on. This is a show about stocks. The politicians determine which sectors are going to reign supreme. Go do your research. They lobby like crazy for a reason. It is an ecosystem that you have to know a little bit about. They're, they're tied hand in hand. Even before Absolutely. we came on, Ian, we would, I was saying, like, you see, you see what the president said? You see who he's talking to? Yep. Right. How does that now affect, you know, the semiconductor space, right? Like, if there's a conflict between China and the U.S. and Taiwan is at the epicenter of it, we already talked about what that would do to our economy yeah. from a tech side. So, I mean, yeah. they're, they're tied hand in hand. You need a certain oh. level of diplomacy. Um, Ghost needed to go see Canaan at some point, and then <laughs> became <laughs> became Canaan. Hey, in America, looking like Truth Nightclub right now. So I'm gonna go down. We have to find peace at all costs. So I'm glad Biden's over there to trying to smooth out um, geopolitical issues over there. All right, so let's get into it. Um, so let's start with Tesla. Shots. Oh my God, Marlon Smith. Yeah, so my son played a game yesterday, and he played against his team. So if you don't know who Marlon is, he's actually a New York City street legend. Well, I don't even call him a street legend. He's a New York City basketball legend. He um, went to Malloy High School, and then he went to Penn State. And I remember Marlon's crazy thing. It's crazy how life works. So I, I used to play for the Gauchos, and he played in this tournament, Gauchos um, Round Ball Classic. And I was probably around, like, 13, 14. And he was young. I remember he was, like, 11. He was younger than us, but he played with us. And I just couldn't understand how somebody was that good. Like, it was just amazing to me, like – his ball control, like how he was moving, like it, it was just, you know, you just see somebody who's just like, just above the yeah, better. Just God given ability. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I'll never forget that. It was like 20 something years ago. And I still remember just being in awe of how good he was. So, long story short, he ended up going Penn State, you know, high level D1, but now he's a coach. So I see him and, um, and, and now he's in business and he's invests. So after the game, he's like, we had a 15 minute conversation. He was like, yo, Tell Ian to talk about Tesla. He's like he always talks about Google. He always talk about Microsoft and Apple. He's like, you got to understand, Tesla is about to take over. And then he gave me a whole long list of things. He was like, it's it's not a car company, it's a tech company, and da 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 da. And and they they about to, you know, they they perfectly positioning themselves to run the whole situation. And he's obviously a very high level advocate for Tesla. Yeah. So with that being said, I told him that we would talk about Tesla. Yes, we got so you. let's talk about Tesla. So um let's do it. Yeah, so he's obviously extremely bullish, but everybody's not bullish on Tesla. A famed analyst is expecting a steep decline in uh Tesla's stock. According to his estimate, um Tesla's stock could potentially go down to fifty dollars per share. Um, so wow, that's interesting. Wow. So let's let's have a whole full-fledged conversation about Tesla, shall we? Yes. Um, Marlon, I appreciate you. Uh, Tesla is one of my favorite companies. One of the reasons I don't talk about it is like one of our R-Star picks in Stock Club. But I do love it. The strength is it is a combination of tech and energy combined into one that uses the veneer of automotive to innovate. I do love the company. I talked about this um, in Toronto the only major concern, if I'm looking at a spot analysis of Tesla, is the weaknesses are e lack of Elon's focus. I think the acquisition of Twitter wasn't the best. It was bought it for $44 billion, but it's probably worth $24 to $14 billion. Um, 
he has as many kids as Nick Cannon does, so his extracurricular activities are pretty damn high. But I, I need the company to focus more. Like if I look, look at the metrics of the business, the profit margin is 15%. Gross margin is 25.6%. Return on equity is 21%. For all the fanfare that they have and all the brand equity that they have, their margins are not big enough. Like if you look at NVIDIA, which we'll talk about later, gross margins are 57%. And that new chip came out. It's about to put some pressure on the market. But I think in the EV space, they are hands down the leader. Um, Daniel had asked me, is there anybody else that I would invest in in the EV space? And hands down, I think the only player in EV is Tesla. So great company. Um, market cap, amazing revenue, $95 uh, billion. The Cybertruck looks amazing. I like what they're doing there. They're finally going to roll that out. And they also have put in uh, place a policy where you cannot immediately sell it within inside of a year. So there's some sustainability in that model. I like what they're doing. Like I have a, a one-year target for them at like 410 bucks. I don't think it will go down to 50 bucks. Like that's too far. I can see it going down to 84, worst case scenario, $79.23. But to go to 50, impossible. Like almost, if it does, I would easily park six figures there if it went down to 50, but I, it's less than a 1% chance it will ever go that low. But the company needs to focus, Need be needs better leadership, needs to roll out products a lot faster, and they have to work on those uh, profit margins. I kept saying last year and earlier this year, you cannot be a luxury company and then drop price to scale. does not matter. WeWork tried to do the same thing, and they collapsed. Like, And with inflation going up, I think Toyota has a car that's coming out that's like 110 grand, an SUV that looks like the Rolls Royce. Yeah, everyone is going to have to move into a higher price market and higher price services a model to be able to sustain. Like if interest rates are going to continue to be this high, you can't sell based on price because not only are you going to lose market share, it's the worst way to compete in business, but also too, um, you won't be able to have any money to redevelop or invest into the business to make the business and products better. So I hope they find their way. Um, the stock has come down a lot over the last year and a half. But fifty bucks is damn near impossible for them to go to. Yeah, fifty is is pretty pretty drastic. But I mean, you made a lot of good points for uh, a bear case, right? Like when, when we talk about uh, interest rates getting yeah. longer over a time period, that affects the car sales. But even interest, I I, I looked it up, man. The the consumer interest has declined for the past six straight quarters. They were yeah. once the number one uh, ranked shop luxury brand. They have fallen back, particularly the the Model S has fallen back. 10% in shopping consideration, yeah. which is something that you have to take into to consideration when you're thinking about what product that you're putting out. Uh, they've also had production decline, right? We, we saw over the past quarter, uh, and we talked about that pretty extensively about when you yeah. change pricing and try to get more vehicles bought. But they've spent a lot of time on this Cybertruck, and the Cybertruck isn't here. In fact, did you see, talk about you can't buy? They actually put a, a new rule in with the Cybertruck that there's a fine if you try to sell it. A year after purchase so Smart. that that's unprecedented right like after you buy it if you try to sell it within 12 months there is a fifty thousand dollar fine for selling it which is interesting crazy um, but smart pretty smart but yeah. competition um i know they're the by far the leader in the ev space definitely here in america but the base that they have to find and to have greater margin is china and yeah. evs are being built and companies that are 
being created and flourishing. Uh, you talk about having four models where a company like BYD has 30 models, right? And so if you're talking about lower prices and more models to choose from, there's competition in that space. Again, they are by far the leader in the space, but competition is there. Um, and so there's, there's a, a bear case to be spoken of. $50 is completely oh, drastic. But insane. if we do see a pullback, because I, I, when I look at Tesla and I think about it, yes, it's, it's more than the EV company. It's a tech company. Obviously, disguise is one. But we know how interest rates have affected tech companies. Yeah. And, and there is talks of recession in 2024. I was I was hearing some 100% chances over the weekend. These these things have to be taken in, into consideration when we're sure, talking yeah. about the future outlook. I always Tesla has always been something that's been volatile, you know, over the pandemic for sure. And so to drop initially when I saw the question, I thought a drop in fifty dollars. I'm like, ah, eh, that's not bad. We we've seen it have those type of moves, but to go down to fifty dollars a share, I think is a bit much. A bit much. Who would be the number one competitor right now? I don't see anybody being like, man, I want that Rivian bad as hell. I was just gonna, you just I I was thinking Rivian. Um, you're seeing them a lot more. They're, yeah. they're, they're starting to turn profit. I, mean, I, I don't see the, the demand. We're seeing production more. I think the number one competitor is not necessarily one company. It's every company. You see Mercedes going to come out with the electric G-Wagon. I feel like yeah. I, every Rose company Rose has a spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the competition doesn't come from one particular company. I, I think it comes from every single company getting into the EV space where now Tesla has is kind of like, you know, the go-to when you think they'd be like Band-Aid. Like when you think of electric car you think of a tesla but soon it, it the the dangerous part is when you think of electric car you think of every single car yeah right and as it, eventually that's going that's what is going to happen yeah. i don't know how long it'll take but eventually every car will be an electric car at some point yeah. in time in the future right so that i think long term is the biggest um competitor to tesla's dominance when every single car is the same now what advantage does tesla have yeah what's up yeah. you? i keep saying they need a tim cook they need they have great leadership there but they need a operator who is solely focused on the business um i brought this up in toronto like what do we know about satya from microsoft other than he works for microsoft yeah you, you spoke about the focus and over the past week starlink has been everywhere in the news do you think because of the attention that is going there i mean you're, you're talking about two different companies that are yeah. world changing when you speak about focus, are you talking about that? Like there, there is another thing that he's working on that which would be a monster. Is a I mean by itself. I think they said yeah. it could IPO by twenty twenty seven. From all the reports I was reading, you're talking about multi billion dollar valuation. Yeah, maybe that's where the focus should be, or is that where it's going? I think Starlink on the publicly traded side will probably perform better than Tesla. It's something that's needed. Um, they have a competitive advantage. I don't see anyone in the space coming close to, but he's going to have to hunker down and focus on something. I, I don't think he'll leave that CEO role of Tesla, but Starlink looks like the star mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. It looks like LeBron in, in 2003. It's like, you know, this is coming. We got to figure out how to put uh, Dewan Wagner, whoever was playing for Cleveland, uh, out <laughs> the pasture. Um, yeah. Darius Miles or somebody like Starling has to be the focus. I know he has a lot on his plate, um, but at some point you have to hunker down. I'll find a way to blend those companies into one for sure. Because it, 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 if I'm hearing what Shadi's saying, it's like, yeah, there, there's some truth to that, right? And we saw states making mandates. New York, we know 2035, yeah. California 2035, everybody has to have 
zero emissions. And so if everybody's in a space, what separates me? Is it creating something different inside of Tesla or is it creating an entire new branch of my of my business? And yeah. more, I mean, Starlink is that generational talent that, that can change things. And the product has to get better for Tesla as well. Like the people that I know who bought in 2021, when they were sending me like, hey, I'm, I'm underwater in the car because they dropped the price. I'm like, it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. Um, but we've all, you know, r ran a business and at some point taken our eyes off of something. But I feel like this is going on for too long with him. I mean, the stock at one point was at almost thirteen hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. Now being the two hundred dollar range. I insane. Yeah. Splits included. Everybody's been like, oh, wait, well, they split. Yeah. twice. Yes. Yes. Of course, they split twice, but they split twice. Yeah. We've seen I and mean, we talked about Amazon before they split when Bezos was in charge. It never split. Right. To a point where you saw it two uh share splits in a matter of three years yeah what's the business model for tesla do they need to follow or the one they're using now the one they're using now um well they're selling batteries uh the thing that i love on the car side though is like they sell direct to consumer so they're way ahead of all of their peers um and i think there was a certain cachet that came with owning the tesla particularly like the model s um, but I do like the business model. The thing, the only thing I hate in their model is the margins. They have to find a way to get margins up. Like mm -hmm. you cannot have your operating margin be 11% and your profit margin be 15%. Yes, that's good for a car company, terrible for energy and terrible for a tech company. Terrible. I know the costs are high for those of you in the comments. I know the hardware, I know fabrication, production, I get it. But they have to find a way to at least knock that that margin up to like 21 to 23 percent to like keep their competitors at bay, which they've done a great job. Ford can't catch up. GM is floundering at best. Mercedes with EQS and a G-Wagon will have some impact. Rolls-Royce now has a Spectre will have some impact. But you have to get those uh, margins up, especially it, it, if we're going to go into recession. Is one of those places in, inside of the charging stations we, we saw the partnership with GM, we, we've seen it, right? So if we can't- It's a good way. If we're gonna create competition and we know that everybody's coming to the space, well, let's control other factors or other areas of the space, i.e. charter stations, i.e. Yeah. create batteries for these companies and so that they'll always become a customer, they'll always be reliant on some part of our business to make sure that we always have higher revenue. Which is like the B2B version of Apple's App Store, which is brilliant. You just need more players in that space and more partnerships. Like that's why, especially in recession, we touched on this lightly before we started. It's much better to have collaborative partners than to go to war. War is really expensive. Unless you make the arms, you are in the wrong business. I know hit a month made a little bit of money. I don't know any rapper that's like thrived off of beefing and dissing. It costs too much money to do so. So I think it's brilliant that they have those partnerships in place. For the charging stations, I think they should be more aggressive there. But I think that leadership team really needs to figure out a way how to bump up that that margin by seven to eight percent. Because if I don't want to talk about it too much, but when so we were at dinner and Daniel was like, Hey, did you know in Canada the mortgages renew every five years? I'm like, What the hell you mean? He's like, Yeah, like you don't have a 30 year three percent rate. Every five years, they adjust. For those of you who don't know. 41% of Royal Bank of Canada's mortgages are set to reset in August of 2024. Now is not the time to have thin margins. 
they could go through what we went through in a big short era of 2008. Now is not the time to have 9% or 12% margins in your business because you may have to have two years where two years of revenue will have to last you four and a half to make it out of the store. Hunker down. What do I know? What's your long-term projection for Tesla? 450. I'm not leaving Tesla. If Elon's there, we got a shot. We got to shoot a shot. He's a generational talent, and he succeeded at every level. They so you're still, you're still bullish on Tesla? Hell yeah. It hasn't left stock club. If it goes to 50, easy 100 grand. Boy, I'm going to be like I was in Girl Collection at one time. <laughs> Go ahead. Shout to the ballerinas. Get all this real quick on Tesla. If it goes to 50, oh, baby, please. Um, Jamie Dimon, uh, Michael Burry, short it down to 50 for me, please. Yeah, if it goes to 50, what does the, the automotive market look like for the rest of companies? What does the economy look like? Federal, <laughs> <laughs> right? Think about that. Terrible, <laughs> yes, it, it's judgment day when the machines are here, absolutely. So, what are your thoughts on Moody's downgraded the U.S. on uh, credit rating? Um, so what are your thoughts on the downgrade, and does this uh make this environment more pessimistic when it comes to investing um it's concerning a little bit um it, it's not a huge red flag it's a small red flag we've been talking about this for the last two years like the volatility of the market is going up interest rates have gone up um no one wants to buy our debt i think i saw a report where china hasn't bought a new boeing airplane since 2017 so we have a bunch of geopolitical issues that have been happening um you never want your credit rating to get downgraded by Moody's. Moody's is also a good stock to invest in. In like, uh, if you were looking for like a B tier company, ticker MCO is one that I like a lot. Um, it's not favorable. No one wants majority of our equities. Um, I know the Magnificent Seven thing has been talked about a lot. I think some of that has been exaggerated. There may be like 13 companies that are really good right now, but it's not a good sign. And a sign of, well, in the middle of a storm, we are not having much positive news besides NVIDIA. NVIDIA has been up forever. The new chip is going to do well, revenue as well. But if we are looking politically, things are not great in the United States. Um, and we're looking for signs of hope and signs that things are going to get better. And we haven't seen them yet. So this is like, if you were already getting C's in class and you got a C minus, it's like it's not the end of the world. But we're not seeing an uptick in positive news and in positive outcomes in our environment. So um, I would argue this is a, a better time to invest. I think too many people want to invest when everything is at a hype cycle. But now when it's at the down cycle, no one wants to to buy in. This is why I love like the enthusiasm in, in the crypto space. When we were hovering in the 20s and, and 30s, low 30s in, in Bitcoin, no one wanted to buy. But when it was at 55, everyone was going crazy saying it was going to go to the moon and go to 120. Um, we have to buy at the right time. And now is the time for great investors and those who really want to get rich or wealthy buy in. Yeah, that's interesting that you brought up Boeing when we talk about this. Um, because yeah, the, the the outlook, I mean, it went from went to negative from stable. Yeah. I mean, Boeing, that's an interesting case, right? Like China is now considering having uh the freeze lifted from the Boeing jets, but you know who came in and bought a bunch of Boeing jets? Who was that? United Emirates. They just bought 90. Well, 90. Played. Yeah, 97, I don't want to say, they're not 737s, they're the 777s. So 90, this is like a multi, I think almost $52 billion deal. So that's encouraging, right? And again, when we talked about politics and business, we spoke about China. Yes, NVIDIA has their new chip. 
uh, and it's the price point is between twenty five to forty thousand. Yeah. Right? Twenty five to forty thousand, and it's more it's more catered toward AI generating products, right? So when, yeah. when we're talking about graphics, when we're talking about text, this is where it's more catered to. This is big business. Most importantly, is how that relates to China because again, every time, well, the past two chips that Nvidia has put out, there's been a ban where uh, you know China could not order them, and then there's been bans going back back and forth between the two. But these are American companies that have products that are, the world are using. So, how will it affect? I mean, short term, I, I don't I don't know how much it affects it. But yeah. what will be interesting, and I wrote this in my notes, is that what will be more important is what happens this week with the data that's coming out about inflation and the consumer price index, because that will tell us again, short term, will rates be raised and how long yeah. will it be raised and will it be raised for November or December? And what does it look like for the outlook for January and um, in February? So I think those, those things are more immediate to affecting our market. I agree. And it, and it's different because in 2008, 2009, some of the things were come off as a shock. I think we have a much more seasoned and smart investor class now, who understands this already? Um, so it's, it's not, not as big of a shock. But like you said, CPI, key, inflation, key. Um, if Biden and Xi Jinping have issues in their meetings, that can send a market into a tailspin. But this isn't a linchpin um, event for sure. Uh, you want to talk about HubSpot? Oh, uh, HubSpot? Uh, we could. We could. We could. Uh, we can go there. Yeah, so Probably we need a monologue. I mean, Mike, we need to ISO. No, it, it was that's no need for that. It was, it was just an interesting thing. Uh, we were talking about HubSpot in Chicago uh, at Market Mondays Live. I told it was a company I was watching, and we were yeah. looking at it from an option standpoint and looking at the analyst research. And I, you know, I kind of gave people a shortcut into doing the analyst research and how it could be used to your advantage. At the time, I think HubSpot, HubSpot was trading at about $402, $403. Yep. And I would just tap in every now and then, like, hey, I hope you're watching it. I hope you're watching it. Uh, they had great earnings, uh, and the, the stock went from, I think, $440. Uh, so obviously, there was a $40 increase there up to $470 before trading uh, the day after. And then the day after we saw it pull back a little bit, but this is a company that we've been watching, uh, especially if you were at the live show and putting it on our watches. And we said it here on Market Mondays as well. This is a company inside the CRM space. And it's interesting, we were on a, a, a call this week and they were talking about you know CRMs that they're using. And the first name they said was Salesforce. And I was like, oh, great, invested in that. And the next thing they said was HubSpot. And I'm like, that's interesting. Because I've been kind of telling people to watch out for it and put it on their watch list. So this is one of those things where, where you, you take your time and you do your research on the company. Uh, then you look at all the analytics. And then you find your time to, to make a move. Uh, if you look at its history over the past three years, it had a crazy run during the pandemic. I'm looking at the chart here. Uh, in 2023 of... Well, it ran up during during the pandemic. It got up to $580 in July of this year. Kind of had a, a pullback, and we saw that in September and October yeah. with tech having a, a major pullback. But again, if we've been here, if you've been watching the market Mondays, we know what September and October looks like in the market. And so it kind of hit that support line that I liked it uh, at around 400. It hit the line. I said, all right, this is the time to make the move, and, and we're invested in it. Um, so these are these small wins that take time, right? It might have been a four-month study, to have a 16% gain, but yeah. it's worth it in the long run, right? I'm looking at 16%. All right, that's great. Now, depending on how much I invest, it will determine the return. But again, I don't treat my brokerage account as something that I'm looking at as a source of revenue. It's something that 
I'm building wealth inside of. And even so the profits that come from that, right? Because it was an option call. It now goes into a longer option call or it goes to a situation where I might even exercise a call to say, all right, I want 100 shares of this to have it long term, which I've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out, shout out to Hubstar for beating his earnings. And shout out to you for the information you gave in Chicago. Yeah, hopefully people uh, took it, took care to it, and and uh, made some some good investments. And if you're not using GPT four with these upgrades, who, Shadi? I know you're on there every day, man. I feel like it's getting better every week. Um, and for those of you who keep asking me, how could I invest in Chat GPT? Microsoft. Yes. Yes. Sit up sixty one percent. I don't want to hear nothing else. Put put yes in chat if I made you money. Yeah. Apple, Microsoft. It's not. We also we also met somebody from Google this um this weekend <laughs> and she was like she was another one she was like you guys talk about chat gbt and microsoft all the time but you never speak about google and, and, and anthropic and um she was like you need to be you need to be paying more attention to google's partnership with anthropic and da, 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 da. so yeah you know what i looked at it, I, this is the face you i have get huh so you put that bullet for me and shoddy <laughs> <laughs> huh yeah we don't think about anthropic what yeah well I mean, it was good, but those type of conversations are interesting, right? We're at a festival, and those are the type of conversations that we're having. You need yeah. to talk about more of that partnership. And and that was kind of uh, what Amon was saying. There's going to be people working together. Look at the collaborative efforts with big tech and some of these AI generative companies, right? So yeah. we're talking about Amazon and Anthropic. She's talking about Google and Anthropic. We're talking about Microsoft and, and OpenAI. In fact, OpenAI just asked for more money. Yeah. Right. They want a bigger investment. The 10 billion wasn't enough. They actually are asking now to have a bigger investment inside of OpenAI for more technology that they want to, you know, uh, create and, and create more advancements inside of the AI space. These are the key partnerships that we have to be watching. So how do we do it? And you're spot on. Microsoft, right? Yeah. There. If you want to invest in chat, Microsoft. That's it. Easy. I mean, Simple now in chat GPT4, you can come up with images for arcade games and podcasts and flyers and like yeah and, and, they, and they should ask for more money like because you need capital to increase that gap increase mm -hmm. increase that market share so microsoft's gonna give them that money and i think they've been a good steward of innovation and that capital um and we already know like the ai wars are going to heat up but they've been doing a great job of pacing ahead like even when growth slowed down and, and the the newness of it went away they started to uh iterate and move very quickly to be able to add other features um and this made my life so much easier so we are officially in the ai era um and i think it's going to cause a great tech boom in 2024 before we get the official recession announcement but yeah google apple microsoft are going to be the leaders in that space and if you're missing out on this run it would be the equivalent of missing out on a social media run from 2009 to 2020. yeah this is you miss out if you want to but i'm not this is a run, and and GBT just added uh, a new. I shouldn't say GB, Chat GBT. Yeah, uh, they added the the PDF feature, right? We were talking about Anthropic as one yep. of those the star uh, qualities that it had. OpenAI took about two months. They said, "All right, well, we're not adding that to to ours." So now it's going to go back and forth. Well, what will separate? What's going to be the differentiating factor uh, for Anthropic? So this is it, it. Really is a war, and we get to watch it play out pretty much by the day. Right, yeah. everybody's trying to top the next person. Yeah, I noticed you said Amazon, you said Google, and you said Microsoft, but we didn't mention Apple. And that yeah, my baby's in there. And so we got, we'll see who yeah. was their who was their partner, or who, or will it be? We're going to create our own. Uh, they probably go to acquisition route, and they need it too. 
Talk about a company that hasn't innovated at a fast enough. For those of you who work in Apple headquarters, I'm talking about with the software and the feel and experience from the consumer side. So I love you guys so much. Hit the like button. Yes. And share. Hit the like button. And you start to get them corporate emails and calls. <laughs> we love you all. <laughs> love hit, all the, hit the like button and share. Um, Ghana. December yes. 27th, get your tickets to Market Mondays Live in Ghana. Vitally important. That's the last stop of the Market Mondays World Tour and the last show of the year. So um, get your tickets to Market Mondays Live in Ghana on December 27th. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so the U.S. is days away from a shutdown. Should this cause concern for investors? No. Normally, this would. I'm going to be clear. Listen, people are having a hard time paying rent. <laughs> Interest rates are going high. This shutdown won't mean anything. This is more political gesturing. Um, normally, these shutdowns don't last very long. I know some of you were concerned this morning when you were messaging me. On a scale of 1 to 10, this is a 2. We have big geopolitical concerns that are probably a level seven or eight. It's a non-factor. I don't care how long we're shut down. It won't have that great of an impact on the market overall. And plus, we have to remember, like, investors, hedge funds, fund of funds, mutual funds have to park capital somewhere. So that's not going to affect those cycles. Um, At the point, we have a lot of tax loss harvesting events that happen. That may drop the market maybe one to two percent. But overall, I think this is a, is a non-factor overall. I think this is more political gesturing at a time where we don't need it because there's not any great dialogue and communication between both parties. Um, and for all the politicians out there, you, we are ruining the country from inside out by not getting along and not having a bipartisan approach. I'm not a political expert, do not want to be one. But at some point, we have to learn how to do better for our country more so than for your party. And also to say Vivek went crazy in that debate, by the way. Came Who? in hot. Who did? Vivek. Um, the, the Republican debate? Yeah. He, he told the chairman that you are not running the party well and you're the cause of our losses the last couple of years. If you, I will now give you two minutes of my time to come up here and tell us why you've been running the party so bad. <laughs> I'll say a leather jacket energy. Come on, man. Somebody said that um, they're debating for a vice president. Cause um, I agree. I mean, they yeah, that it's a, it's actually a waste of time what they're doing. But I guess it's not a waste. Like I said, I mean, I guess if you can rally support and and have a um a strong case for vice president, yeah, because none of them will none of them will win the, the nomination. No, I don't think he has a chance. Vivek doesn't either. None of yeah. I, I don't think anybody does. And Trump actually held the campaign rally at the same time as the um that debate. So I think he's not even really paying attention yeah. to that too much. 63% uh, in favor of him. So that's going to be Trump. tough. Yeah. That's, yeah, tough. that's yeah. tough. That's the uphill battle that, again. Nikki Haley and Chris Christie and everybody thinks that they, no. they all are. Um, not enough well, cachet. Chris Christie's wasting his time because he's not going to be because uh, he's not going to be Trump's running mate because they have bad history. So I don't know why he's even doing it. Um We'll see. Yeah, yeah. So for investors, we shouldn't be concerned, but for the the federal workers, they have to be concerned. Yeah, you should be concerned. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to make like not. A, yes, we're I'm speaking specifically to investors. Yeah, yeah, specifically to investors. Not a much of a concern, but if you work in a federal position, court, mail, with clerk, whatever, 
Yes, this is concerning. But I feel like this is we've seen this story how many times? I remember like our, maybe our second episode we were covering a government yeah. shutdown in 2019. And that's happened five times since. I mean, yeah. we've we've seen this play out already. Political theater. Big facts. Um, Talk shoddy. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's, it's the build up for WrestleMania. So the Rock and John Cena really don't hate each other, and neither does the Republicans and Democrats. But they're they have to do for they stay in DC for the holidays. Yeah, what will happen? Like, yeah, you're gonna get it done because you have to get it done. You have to. You have to get it done. Politics as usual. Any chance that you think Biden doesn't run again? Run what? The, for the presidency? Yeah. No, I don't oh. think. I don't think there's no. I think uh, somebody had said that he shouldn't run. Right? Was that uh? Axelrod? Axelrod. Yeah. He has said that. Then he kind of came back and tried to like reverse his stance on it and say that he's not pushing them not, not to run. He got but. some calls and emails. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think that there's any chance that he doesn't run. I think that would what would be intelligent is to have some level of a um I don't want to say it like this. I don't, you know, I don't obviously I don't want wish death on anybody, but yeah. succession plan that's there's a very good chance that he doesn't um make it that like you know if you're 82 years old and if there's uh, I got that's what you're saying if there's no health reason as he for him not to do the job yeah well I mean I just look at it like the average life expectancy is um 78 70. I think something like that for the you. average American man I got you so I think he's 80 was he's 82 he'll he's turning 81 this year I believe um or is turning 81 this so it's a job too and you have the most stressful job in the world um I don't know if he, if you make it another four years physically or just having the mental capacity to actually you know do the job correctly. So I think that if he reinforces, um, like let's say his vice president, right? If he reinforces faith in the vice president, then you really are voting for two presidents at one because you're voting for him. If if you choose to vote for him, you're voting for him. But then you're voting for him to say, okay, well, in the event that he's not able to finish out his term, which there's a high probability that that would not happen. I feel comfortable with the vice president, right? So yeah. essentially, it's it's a vote for her mm. as well. So seventy three life expectancy, seventy three, and he's eighty two. He's turning. No, he's, his his birthday is actually on on Sunday. So how old is he turning? He's turning eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. All right. So he's already he's already ten, he's already ten years past <laughs> happy birthday. He's already almost ten years past the average life expectancy, and as I said, he has the most stressful job in the world. So Thanks, Scorpio. It's going to be interesting to see, but um, I don't think that he's not going to run. I think he's definitely going to run. Um, but I would, if I was in his camp, I would definitely try to highlight the vice president more yeah. um, because that would probably give voters more confidence as opposed to, um, you know, him at, you know, this age and, you know, mental capacity. A lot of people don't, are not confident in his uh cognitive skills yeah. yeah at this point in time cognitive skills word of the day not to be confused with nunchuck skills <laughs> hey but leaving politics alone for a minute yes we have uh a guest today um we will bring on isaac hayes the third so yes. Isaac Hayes is somebody that's been on Earn Your Leisure. He's been on Invest Fest. Yep. And now he's creating, well, he's finishing the Holy Trinity of 
the situation by coming on Market Mondays. Very few people have done that. Yes. Um. So he's in rare air. Triple crown. Triple, triple crown. crown winner. For sure. Yes, yes. Triple crown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> triple crown. For sure. Um, so yeah, Isaac always always a, a a lot of energy, you know, talking about the the landscape of social media. He's created his own social media platform, fan base, um, black owned social media. So it's a few different conversations to be had here. Tech conversation, yeah, social media conversation, equity crowdfunding conversation, business startup conversation, variety of different things. So yes, can we bring Isaac up to this. What's going on, my brother? Love What's the background. On, Good, man. Long overdue. Glad you're here. I done made it to the triple crown. What? Hey. <laughs> Legend in three games. Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys so much, man. Nah, no problem, for man. being here, man. So, all right. So, let's get into it. So, um, all right. So, you recently just closed the round. I believe you raised $10 million as a Reg C equity crowdfunding, correct? Yeah, Reg CF, yeah, 10 million in three rounds. So, all right. Um, and you're the first black person, black man to do that? Yes. History has been made. Kudos to that. Congratulations. Congratulations. So, can you explain to the audience what exactly does reg reg CF equity crowdfunding? It's a lot of different words here. What <laughs> what exactly does that mean and why is it significant um what you have been able to do? Well, um, I think it's very important because uh, African-American people and minorities have a really tough time raising capital for their businesses, going to banks to get loans or going to venture capital to raise capital. And so in 2012, Barack Obama and Joe Biden kind of launched this regulation called the Jobs Act. And it went into it went into law in 2015, which means any person um, can raise capital from the general public for their business regardless of their net worth or annual income up to $1 million. That's, that was the first rule. So we did that um, in 2020. So think about how important that is for people that aren't accredited investors to invest, but then someone like me that had a startup that wanted to raise capital, but VC was not necessarily the route at the time or me going to get a bank loan um, to raise an excess of a million dollars. So that's why that's important for any, any business that you want to start primarily you know what I'm saying? Like small businesses, um, which fan base was at the time to be able to raise capital is significant. For those who want to break into um, the tech space, what advice and insights would you give those who may feel like it's not for us? And if you can do your journey all over again, what steps would you wish you would have taken to get here faster? Ooh, um, everything's for us. We innovate everything. There's nothing mm -hmm. that you know, we can't do as a people. So every single solitary thing that exists on the planet, you know, we can go to space, we can build tech, we can, you know, um, invent uh, cures for diseases, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. uh, I don't think um, there's anything we can't do. Um, I would say study, you know, learn the landscape. I had to study the landscape of social media. I was kind of like a person that used social media a long time before, but just studying the landscape of how social media works. Um, it was interesting to be able to like jump right in. I honestly would not change anything. And I know that sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. because I feel like my inexperience in the space gave me an opportunity to, to, to go down my own path and not try to follow what other people have done, which probably would have wound up dead ends or maybe had me discouraged in what I was trying to do. So I love everything about what we've been able to do. 
So I think it's extremely important. I think it's extremely awesome um, in what we've been able to accomplish. So, so talking about being naive to the space, a lot of times when you're naive, you're extremely creative. Um, and that's something that fan base has stood on being creative in a space because obviously we don't have the same capital. And that's when I say we, I'm talking about the company, uh, don't have the same capital as some of the big players inside the space. But what happens when you see your creativity being taken by a yes. larger company or being implemented by another, a larger company with more capital? How do you guys combat that? How do you deal with it? What, you know, what's the strategy? Well, I don't. I have a belief that there's enough room for everybody. Doesn't mean that fan base will will just be you know extinguished out of the market, but I also think that every social media platform has a lifespan. It will live. It will die. And so um, I look at Facebook as a legacy platform. I look at Instagram and, and TikTok and X now as middle aged platforms. And so there's always going to be another social media platform because young people are always going to want to be. Um, involved in platforms that their parents are not on. They want to have their own communities, their own spaces. And so I look at fan base as more as a, a successor, a future platform, as opposed to a platform that's just ready to be the number one platform in the world right now. But over the next five, six, seven years, um, I think that'll be, you know, the case. I'm not really worried because what I notice it, it tells me a lot. It tells me that I always look at black culture and technology as kind of this relationship. It's like, technology tech companies put a bunch of legos on the table right and then we come along and make the coolest shapes and the coolest objects out of the legos that are presented and then these companies take those ideas and then implement them into their business and then boom you've got this whole you know entire um you know new technology that's been invented or pioneered by us so yeah. i think we'll always innovate the space i'm not worried about that i'm i'm used to that so, as amazing as the plat no go ahead rashad well, I was going to ask you about equity crowdfunding. I think that um, it's important for people just to have some level of understanding. So it's an it's a way for people to actually invest in a company. It's beneficial for the companies because they can, you know, get around the VC world and, and they can raise, you know, substantial amounts of money. But from an educational standpoint, how do investors actually get paid on this? Because I know it can be difficult to receive, you know, it's $500. It could be like, you know, 10,000 people that, that contribute, right? Um, so I think education is extremely important because when people aren't fully educated and it, they don't see a return or they don't, they don't know how to you know get the money back, well, then it turns into a scam. So oh, yeah. that that's important to, to fully educate people on the process of investing, mm -hmm. what the expectations are, how it works, when they can get paid out, if they do get paid out, the percentage, mm -hmm. like... Can you just walk us through that? Because like I said, I yeah. think that it's fully important. It's very important to educate people on that because if not educated, then, you know, other narratives start to be created. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys cover both areas on this show, but it's typically like pre IPO investing and post IPO investing. So yeah. post IPO is when the company's on the stock market, you can go buy shares, NASDAQ, you know what I'm saying? And invest in companies and do stuff like that. Pre IPO investing is really a very rarefied air that's really not available to most people because of this rule called the accredited investor rule. And this rule has been in effect since 1933, which means you have to have a net worth of a million dollars minus your house or make $200,000 a year for two consecutive years to even qualify to invest in an early stage company. So when you think about the Microsofts, the Apples, the Ubers, the IBMs of the world, they were all invested in 
by already rich people. So it was rich people saying, hey, look, let's make a rule so that we get the earliest access to the best opportunities of investment and then tell the general public, we're protecting you by not risking your capital to invest in these companies because you're an unsophisticated investor. We don't want you to squander your life savings or your mortgage or whatever it is, you know, to invest in these companies. But I always say, no one has a problem with us going to take our money and gamble five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars on the on on uh, on in Vegas, or um, go buy lottery tickets, five thousand dollars, five hundred dollars worth of lottery tickets. And so, when you pre IP uh, pre IPO invest in a seed stage company such as Fanbase, I always say this: you are with us to the moon or the ground. So you get along, you are along for the ride, which every investor is. And there's not a company out here. There are people that have invested in startups that have gone unicorn and have gone bust. They still take that same risk. The difference with equity crowdfunding is that people are able to invest in small amounts, $250, $500. And I'm not saying that's not a lot of money, but sometimes there are minimums to invest in these other companies, these these pre-IPO companies, $50,000, $25,000, $10,000. That's a lot, $5,000. That's a lot. But to be able to say, I can take 250 bucks, which is something that I would spend on food or some shoes or some drinks at the club and invest in an early stage company is kind of a really big deal. And I think being able to take advantage of this regulation is something that is game changing um, for people. So I understand that people are always concerned about scams, but that's why I think there's limited. It's called limited risk because Mm -hmm. limited risk is you're investing two hundred fifty dollars, five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. There's risk involved, but it's not you risking one hundred thousand, two hundred thousand half a million dollars. And sometimes, you know, people invest that in those, those pre-seed rounds as well. Yeah. Okay. I just have to follow up to that. So when we go into raising, how did, what determines the allocation that's going to be the amount raised, right? Cause we'll see companies or we'll hear it. Uh, pre, they're, they're trying to raise 2 million. They're trying to raise five, 10, 15. What are yeah. the factors that you determine to saying like, this is the amount that we need to raise? Is it marketing? Like what are the things that go into account when you're trying to raise a specific amount? Well, for me, I put it in perspective of equity versus valuation. So if I would say, okay, I'm going to raise um, my very first round, I raised, I was going to raise a million dollars at a $20 million valuation, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like two and a half percent of the company or 5%, I'm sorry, 5% of the company. So it's not really a lot of uh, equity to give away for $1 million, you know, to get 5% of the company away. Um, at a $20 million valuation. So what you're typically looking to do for me is raise funds needed to run the business, but also be mindful of the equity that you're giving up in your business. Because a lot of times when you think about angel investing or VC investing, especially when you don't have capital, and and I'll say this too also, I bootstrapped fan base in the beginning. So a lot of times Mm -hmm. tech startups need that early, early capital, that 100000 that 150 Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expansive. Shari, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG, the mortgage guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the united states live interactive teaching hands-on not just pre-recorded videos plus 15 brand new curriculums the biggest just got bigger head over to eyluniversity.com that's e-y-l-u-n-i 
V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. $50,000 to get started. I spent $200,000 of my own money. So then I avoided giving up equity there, right? And a lot of times that's where you get hit the hardest. Those That first $150,000, $200,000 might cost you 10, 15% of your company, depending on which angel investor, which route you take. So I avoided giving away equity there. Then when it got to the point where I needed to raise capital, I saw the landscape and said, okay, this looks like the music business to me. This looks like the VCs are the record companies, the <laughs> artists, and the billboard charts and the app store charts are very similar. So for me, I'm trying to stay independent as long as I can to put myself in a position to have leverage. So when I'm valuing my company, I'm still going by the same metrics that other companies have raised and set their valuation at, but I'm being mindful of not taking too much capital, right? Because I want to say, okay, fan base right now is probably, is, is, at this current round we just did was valued at $85 million, right? So if I said, okay, I'm going to raise um, $30 million at an $85 million valuation, that's like 33% of the company. I don't yeah. need that. I don't need, you know what I'm I, don't, I, don't, I don't need that, you know? I don't need that kind of stuff. So for me, um, I say, uh, let's keep the valuation low, but enough to continue to scale the company. Now we're getting into escape velocity zone with fan base where we need to raise large amounts of capital to spend that capital faster, to build our team, to build faster, better products faster and move quicker. So I think we've proven ourselves in this reg CF space. I think I'm, I'm done with the reg CF space. I, I, I think I've mastered it and I'm pretty well versed in it, but now we're moving into where, we raise escape velocity capital, and that's extremely important. Uh, as a black founder, do you feel like you get enough support and love from the black community? And if not, uh, what can we do to alter that? I will say no. I was uh, here's the thing. I say I get I, I get support. You have to be very. We have to be realistic about this. We have our own human biases. So one thing I'll say is anybody out here starting a business please expect that the people that know you the best to support you the least. That's it's just the ability yeah. that we have with one another. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, but you'll get more support from strangers that don't have a bias of knowing you or feel comfortable saying, I'm going to get around to it. I understand that. I think in, in our world, I get it from a multitude of angles because I understand that um, uh, the establishment the, the legacy platforms that exist don't want to see someone like me succeed in this space because once you take tech and culture and put it together and it's under one roof, there's no place to exploit black culture. Um, then when it comes to us, I think sometimes, well, I'll say, and I'll use this in the tech side, I'm a newcomer. I'm an outsider. You know, fan base has gone on to raise more money than some people that have gone to school for this. So I think there's a little bias there. Like who is this guy yeah. coming from the music business? raising money and doing better than we doing. I don't like him. So I'm not going to support him. And then thirdly, I think in our community, and this is just real, a realistic thing. Sometimes we have a problem enriching ourselves beyond ourselves. I say that like quite a bit meaning, and this is a true story. I'll say this. This is, I'll leave names out, but, but my point is, is I could, someone could come to, let's say someone, I could go to someone and say, Hey, I could just go to someone black and say, Hey man, put a million dollars in this company man, you're going to make like a billion bucks out of this, right? And the truth of the matter is, if they make a billion, I might make 10 billion, right? Yeah. They'll say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not about to make you, I'm not I'm not about to let you leapfrog past me. But if I were white and said, you put a million in this and you're going to make a billion and I'm going to make 10, it's totally fine. 
So we have to get over that 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 notion of of trying to enrich ourselves past ourselves. Because now what what is it? We have 13 black billionaires. Magic just joined the 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 party, right? So it's like 13 black billionaires in the United States of America, right? So I think that there needs to be 30 more. I think there needs to be, you know, and and with 30 more, you know, black billionaires, there's going that's going to in some way diminish the voice of the 13 that exists now, right? Because it's like I always say this. Black people only listen to like five people. They listen to Robert Smith, Oprah, <laughs> Daisy, Tyler Perry, and and Diddy and Magic Johnson. And they, yeah, they got most of the listeners. Yeah, that's the best best lineup right there. Right. But but my, my my goal is to create, we need, we need earn your leisure. We need you guys to be there because you're younger. We need you to be a billionaire. We need Kai Sinat to be a billionaire. Yeah. We need Ian Dunlap to be a billionaire. We need myself. We need, you know, more women billionaires like to to spread these voices because everybody has a different path and this is a different world. So we need to spread that billionaire mindset to everybody. And I and I I know that's difficult for some people to kind of grasp. But, you know, it's like thousands of billionaires in the United States of America. We got 13 black ones. Oh, man, we need like 13 more like ASAP. So that's just how I feel. There's a tech component to the company. There's a media component to the company. Just real yeah. quick, when you talk about valuations, what are the multiples in this industry? What do you mean? As far as when you talked about you you raised at an eighty-five million dollar valuation, is it on a ten x multiple, or is like how 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 are we evaluating the multiples inside so, of? So typically in tech, what you value, what you're able to value your company at, in in my world, is based on the metrics and the data that we have have presented and created ourselves. Like, think about this. I'll, gi- I'll give you a prime example. So fan bases raised $10 million at an $85 million valuation. We now have over half a million users. If I were to take a platform like Patreon or a platform like Clubhouse and say what they were able to go to VCs and get when they had 2,500 users, they were able to go get a check for 10 million for 2,500 users. They were able to go raise a hundred million at a billion dollar valuation with a million users. So my point is that, you know, we value our companies based on, and the SEC requires you to do that. You can't just throw a value on your company. You have to say who around you, it's kind of like comps. Yeah. Like, who around you has raised money in the space that you're saying your company's valued at this and it's valued at that now also, and this is just the reality of it is it's just like what people are willing to pay for also provides the value. If Kanye West says a $12 t-shirt, is worth $150 and somebody buys it, it is now $150 shirt. Yeah. So if someone invests in a company and says, I value my company at X, and you get these investors to come in and invest at that at that uh, that valuation, then your company is valued at that. If you get validated, but sometimes VCs want to be the ultimate validator of that. And I can understand why, but you see it, but you also see companies doing fraud, having fake users, just making up valuations, doing yeah. all kinds of crazy things. So the market is also poisoned by people that aren't really virtuous and showing, you know, their, their, their real numbers or, you know, or being honest about what it is. I can, you know, I can guarantee you, tell you, you know, truthfully fan base has half a million users, right? We've raised, um, Oh, $10 million. And so I'm not, I'm not flubbing this because I also understand the position I'm black. I can't make any mistakes. I can't, I can't, I don't take a sal. I don't even take a salary of fan base. So I can't be the guy. Right. And I said this in the video, I said the lack of coverage that I get from black media is astounding to me, especially when two things, first black man to raise 10 million in Rexy of crowdfunding. And I literally invented in-app purchase to purchase subscription 
um, on apps from Apple and Google, right? But let's say I said if I were to get caught stealing money from fan base, I'd be on. Oh, yeah, you get all the coverage. Essence, Ebony, makes founder stealing. <laughs> like, we got we to you know, support people that are doing also amazing things. If you aren't getting the support from the black media and black community, what is your plan to grow and scale uh, the user base? So it's really community. You know, we talk about celebrities all the time and everybody says, how come this celebrity isn't on the platform or this celebrity isn't on the platform? And I say celebrities don't make apps. Communities do. And so fan base is an ever growing community. Now, every now and then apps will make mistakes. They'll make changes. X will do something. Clubhouse will do something. Uh, 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 Instagram will do something. TikTok will do something that will alienate a user base and we'll take advantage of that. But it's always community. Once you start building a community yeah. and keep fostering the community and letting it grow, that's really what I'm focused on. I would love the attention. But those things come and go. Those peaks and valleys. Platforms like this are actually more important to me than some of the like tabloid, you know, uh, opportunities like, you know, that, that other, other people are on, but where people that are really interested in the information yeah. that are really, you know, um, dedicated to learning and understand about tech, but in building, you know, building community and stuff like that, these, this kind of platform is, is extremely important. And I've had the opportunity to be on all of these shows, um, invest, fest, everything. And I'm so appreciative of that. So it's just about community building. I want to keep, continuing to build community. I want to thank you guys for always, you know, let me come on here and talk about this because this is one of a kind. This is very, very different. I say this a lot. I say that, you know, fan base is the most successful social media platform that's black founded since black planet. And that was in the year 2000. It's 2023. Yeah. And I know that there are a bunch of smart, wealthy black people that have existed between 2000 and 2023. So how come no one has done it? And I say that it is very, very hard. This is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It looks easy until you really got to build technology, yeah. build community, and it's a whole different ballgame. Everybody will, ha- everybody will tell you what you should be doing. Well, you need to do this and you need to do that. Well, if that's the case, everybody would have built a social media platform by now and it would have been easy to do. So this is, this is something that I take very, very seriously and, and I'm dedicated to. If I can do a follow-up, what's been your greatest challenge in the last five years in, in building a brand um, and scaling it? The fact that I, I, I'm associated with the brand, right? Before COVID, like the first year that fan base existed, I told no one that it existed. I didn't tell anybody that I actually had built a social media platform because again, being black, we got to prove ourselves. So I was like, I don't want to call up everybody that I know and say, download the app because as soon as I get in front of a VC, they're going to say, oh, you got 10,000 users, 20,000 users. How did you get those users? And I was like, well, I called my friends and they were like, well, that's not real data. We need yeah. real users. So I, I, I let the platform grow to have, you know, 10,000 users. And my plan was to always stay behind the scenes. Then COVID happened and then we couldn't move. And we really still needed to raise capital because I couldn't, I, you know, $200,000 is a lot. I can't keep going. So we had to, we had to raise some capital. So when you do Reg CF equity crowdfunding, um, you actually are, the, 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 the spokesperson for your brand and what you're doing, which is a gift and a curse. Um, and so sometimes people associate you with the brand, but it also means that you're investing in the founder. And so someone like me, you know, if you see my work ethic, if you see the way that I, that I take how seriously I take fan base, how hard I work for it, um, 
you know, you know that I'm that I'm dedicated. So my plan was to never be outside. I honestly had plans of, of having somebody else be CEO and really do the ghost in the machine like before. Yeah. It's too late, but things change and it's a, and, and the world changed. We had George Floyd and and black founders were more accepted and and there were there was a lot more dedication and commitment to helping the black community. So I think things shifted and it was an opportunity that I had to, you know, take advantage of at the time and say, look, I can't be behind the scenes. I have to raise this capital. So um, you guys are the leading content monetization social media platform. We we are the ones that innovated the space. I don't I don't know like everybody's numbers, but I know you know I know I know that from the perspective of removing limitations on how people monetize their content, fan base has no limitations. I talk about that. There is no shadow banning. There is no content suppression. It's a social network. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to be yourself. Um, you know, you can set a price point between $299 and $99 a month. And every single person on the planet with a smart phone has the ability to subscribe to you if they so choose for content you create. I always emphasize that fan base is free. So think of it as like any free social network. But then people want to put content behind paywalls and subscribe and monetize. And I think that concept is so new that people don't even really understand it. They really don't get it. It's like going from cds to mp3s it's like it was like what what are we doing we're not we're not buying physical products anymore it's like subscriptions are coming in a way that i don't think people really really see and i mean for you guys and the businesses that you guys have i would i would tell you like the guy that's saying winter is coming in game of thrones or the after <laughs> like subscriptions are coming and i'm and, and and the reason how i know this is i'm looking at the younger younger kids i'm looking at Again, like Kai Sanat. I say this again. Kai Sanat is going to be a billionaire within five yeah. He's going to be worth a billy because he's building a subscriber base, people that pay month over month for the really creative, cool content that he makes. And in the middle are all these people these last 10 or 15 years that have been trying to get famous enough to get brand deals and big platforms for their um, their metrics and their you know their visibility and then come pay me to post. Those days are over be- with. It, it, it's, it's about going straight to the bag from person to person. So how are you able to not, I mean, at some point you're going to have to have an uh, algorithm that su- suppresses people's content, right? Right. No, 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 no. no. How, no. how are you, how are you going to be able to, to not do that? Great question. The only, the only, the only thing that algorithms that are, are going to do are to be able to protect people from, like, I think algorithms are good to protect people from like protect kids from predators, right? Um, protect, um, negative like filter negative comments things that might be viewed as uh homophobic or um racially insensitive or racist or stuff like that but other than that no i think algorithms exist to suppress content so platforms can make money that's the only reason why your content is suppressed on social media there's no reason why like elon like one thing that elon did the other day and i thought it was really amazing right and and it should have woke people up and when these things happened was he went live on X and he was playing. I can't remember what game it was, but he had a million people watching him play live. A million people watching him play a video game live. How come How come everybody can't do that? The reason is, is because the advertising component that is built into social media platforms has to limit your visibility. So those brands don't see you with a million viewers and come up to you and say, look, post this commercial in between you play, playing your video game. Mm-hmm. And $500,000, right? So so they have to squish you down to force brands to come do business with them and not do business with you. That is the reason why content is suppressed. That's the only reason why. 
And fan base, we, if, like I said, if you wind up with 300 million followers on fan base, we are going to send your content to 300 million people without a doubt. And we will always deliver the content to your following and then some because we want that major visibility. And I actually saw Gary V talk about this. I saw Gary V in a video a couple of days talk about it. He goes, I think the platforms of the future are when people get like a trillion views on a video, like, you know, a billion, like two billion views. And I'm like, that is the future because it's possible now. But advertising is in the way of these companies that are 97% of Facebook's revenue comes from advertising. They can't just switch the subscriptions on a dime. So yeah. they still pressure content. They still got to kind of keep you pressed down so they can build the metaverse and make this money. But I'm, I'm, I, again, if you're not disrupting, you know, technology and trying to ruin a party for the people that are already on top, you're doing it wrong. So I'm definitely here to try to kick over some sandcastles and, and make some noise. So you spoke about the legacy brands, you spoke about the middle-aged ones, and you spoke about being disruptive, which is important. But a lot of times when we, we see what happens with disruptive companies is that the people, the legacy brands look at it and say, you know what, rather than having them continue to disrupt, let's try to acquire them. So I wonder yeah. if that conversation has happened to fan base, and obviously, it ha I mean, you haven't sold the company, but is that something down the road that potentially could happen? Well, to the investors, people that have invested in families be clear that the, the, the exit strategy has been in place from day one which is either an acquisition or an ipo and go public when an acquisition high happens someone comes and purchases fan base at a valuation higher than when you invested let's say you invested at 20 million and someone comes and buys fan base for 50 billion then your shares get bought out at the 50 billion dollar valuation and things are over with done you wrap up you get your bread and we're out of here, right? So that's what Elon basically did when he took Twitter back private. He bought out all the investors. There's your cash. I take the company back private. That's similar to an acquisition. In an IPO, it's very, very similar where, okay, the company goes public at a high valuation and you, and you sell all your shares the day that it hits the market and exit out or you sell some of your shares. Say, look, I'm going to keep some of my money in fan base. I'm going to ride this out for a little bit of while. So that has always been the strategy and the eventuality um, of investing in fan base. And that's, that's typically what happens when you invest in the seed stage of a company. I bring up, I know Oren Michaels is probably sick of me because I talk about him all the time, but he put five grand into Uber in 2010. And when the company went public in 2019, his $5,000 was worth $24 million. That doesn't mean he sold all his shares and took $24 million, but he could have that day. And that's my point is to say, man, I put five grand. He might let me sell 75% of my shares and still keep the rest of the company and then let that continue to grow for the next 10, 15, 20 years. So that is always the eventuality. I think right now companies are watching fan base with fear rather than, um, uh, you know, it's beat them. We're still in the beat them phase. We're not in the join them phase yet. It's like if you can't beat them, join. Right now they're trying to beat me, right? And, and, and eventually, you know, it's like we can't beat them. We got to join them. And then that's a different conversation to have. But I, I, that's a conversation that I want to have that I make sure that the investors that have invested in the company are having a great return. You guys do this every day and talk about investing all the time. Uh, you know, I think like 7% return is a good return on an investment, if I'm not mistaken. 7%. Yeah, 7 to 12%. Yeah, cool. So I, I don't, I mean, so that means if someone put a dollar in the fan base and they get a dollar seven back, I don't. I don't want to do that, right? I'm not doing it for that. I'm not doing it for somebody to put $250 in the fan base and get $500 back. I'm, I'm doing it for somebody to put $250 in fan base and get $100,000, $300,000, half a million, a million dollars in return. That is really what I'm doing it for because when that is done, that'll be the largest distribution of wealth to African-American people in the history of this country. It'll create generational wealth 
at the stroke of a pen. It'll take people now. That well, have- I mean, just to manage expectation, that that's impossible, right? Mm-hmm. That's impossible. What? I get like to two hundred fifty dollars is never going to turn into a million dollars. No, that's not impossible. The probability is lower, though, right? For legal reasons. No, well, that's what we're saying. No, so in 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 actuality, right? Take this for instance, fan base. I'm sorry, Facebook has a market cap of eight hundred billion dollars, valued at eight hundred billion, right? If fan base goes to to, to be a hundred billion dollar company, like worth like right now. TikTok is still a privately held company that's worth about $350 billion. It's $300 billion, $350 billion company is still privately held. So if they IPO today, whoever was on there at, at day one, let's say, let's say it was valued at $20 million, right? Let's say, let's say somebody invested in TikTok or ByteDance when it was worth $20 million, and now they go, they go and, and exit or IPO at $300 billion, that's a 15,000x return. Absolutely. So that means if someone put, you know, and you can do this, but I'm saying, for fan base, if someone put two hundred and fifty dollars in the fan base, and we're a hundred billion, uh, we're a hundred billion dollar company. That's a five thousand x return. That's the same. That's the same metric that Orrin Michaels got. That's the five thousand. His five thousand turned into twenty four million. That's somebody's two hundred fifty dollars turning into one point two five million. It is absolutely possible. That is exactly what I'm like. That's how serious I am about this. Like I'm not. I'm. I'm. Look at my face. I. I believe that. I believe that Fanbase is well more than a hundred billion dollar company. Because when you think about the amount of money, like I don't think people understand the amount of money that is in subscriptions. It's like tri- It's trillions of dollars. It's not billions. It's trillions of dollars. These larger platforms like Disney Plus and Netflix, they have the burden of spending a hundred and fifty million dollars, a hundred million dollars an episode, but being able to only charge thirteen ninety nine a month. Yeah, we get together and shoot a movie on our phone and charge $13.99 a month. We don't have the overhead. Plus, everybody on the planet can subscribe and we own the content. We call the shots and make the lion's share of the revenue. So I don't think people understand the available market. I'll say this again. If you are not monetizing your content through subscription five years from now, you're going to regret that you did not start because somebody's going to be worth a billion dollars. You'd be like, yo, I'm more talented than him or I'm smarter than him or I rap better or sing better. or I'm a better performer or whatever. You know, and, they, and and you just didn't start. So you have to start immediately. Do you know what the total addressable market is for subscriptions in the social media space? Or are you looking to attack subscriptions overall? So do you see like Patreon, Kajabi, so Disney, the, all in the same? Total, honestly, I'm not trying to be funny, but the total addressable market is every single person with a smartphone. Like I always say, it's like 260 million people, 240 million people have Netflix around the world. Just 240 million people, but there's like six billion people with a smartphone. Yeah. Like, like that, that see, I mean, even the addressable market for Netflix is to have everybody with a smartphone have Netflix, right? Every person on the planet have Netflix. Every person on the planet have because when you look at the numbers, if you look at for if you look at forecasting for like music streaming, right? There's like 415 million people, or I think I think it's like it's like it's like six hundred, it might be six hundred million people or 400 million people on music streaming services now by 2030 they're expecting a billion people to be on music streaming and then 10 years from that 2 billion so the amount of money that's going to be made it's coming because because the younger people are more into technology so the younger kids are going to be paying in-app purchase subscriptions and on their phones so their market is there that's why i say fan base is a platform that is, is geared towards 20, 25 years into the future, not right now. That's why I say the window, the time is now for us because everybody else has these giant Titanic-sized companies that they can't just turn around 
to subscriptions overnight because they're so heavily dependent on advertising. So um, my goal is to have, and, and, and even more importantly, every single person that has a smartphone can subscribe to more than one person. You can only subscribe to Netflix once, but being able to subscribe to one person for $4.99, another person for $4.99, and another person for $4.99, you're spending $15 a month for Kaisenat, Drake, and Nike, and then they're and, and that's a content package that they have all the stuff you love. They're doing everything that you love. And you're just paying fifteen dollars a month for that. Trust and believe. There's billions and trillions of dollars in that market. All right. Well, and then you guys get paid. What's your you get paid off a percentage of the subscriptions? Yeah, it's it's a rev share, so it's twenty percent. Apple and Google are gangsters. They gonna take the thirty percent of every thirty percent of every dollar that goes through the App Store. Apple and Google take. They just G's right. So we take 20 and give 50 to the user. But that is exactly the same amount of revenue that Twitch streamers get. It's more than what people get paid on YouTube. YouTube takes 55% of ad revenue and TikTok pays two to four cents per thousand views. So when you're basing it on views, that's unpredictable because again, they're controlling, they're controlling the they're controlling the button, especially if you're black. I say this all the time. If you're black on TikTok, it's, it's hard for you to be more successful on TikTok because everything is based around advertising. So if I, unfortunately, things built by white people in America are thought for all people to be deemed for everyone. Things built by black people are only deemed to be for black people. So it would behoove these platforms to have very, very famous white users that could sell Dunkin', Dunkin' coffee and shoes and clothes to the broader you know, audience of people, white, black, Latino, uh, uh, gay, straight, all of these, all these audiences. When it comes to black, it's like, oh, it's the black Instagram. It's the black this. Oh, this is the black whatever. So TikTok is looking like, yo, we need young white people to be famous so we can run ads that companies want to advertise to everybody, not just the black market. When you remove advertising out of the way, it lets anybody become as large as they can possibly be. The sky's the limit on how big you can be as a user creator because I'm not controlling the knob. I'm not saying, uh, let me turn down the LGBTQ right now because a conservative company, conservative brand's about to run some ads and they don't want that. Or let me turn down the, the 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 Black Lives Matter content. Or let me turn down what's going on over here for whatever reason. I'm not playing any of those games. That is all done for the bottom line dollar. And you have to do that when you're advertising because that's what pays the bills. So Carson only, you can only see his content if you subscribe to his Twitch? No, it's free. He has, he has free, but then you can you can also subscribe. I think I think a Twitch subscription is like four ninety nine. He has like three hundred thousand subscribers. You know, so it's mm -hmm. crazy. But trust me, I already I'm hearing rumblings of some, I'm him doing some nine figure deals that yeah. um, make people be like, "Well, say what he did? What? Like what?" And when when that happens, everybody that's been dancing and waiting for one of these companies to come along and sponsor them and give them products and pay them are gonna be like, "Man, what the hell am I doing? Like, what yeah. am I doing?" Like, why? Like, the gamers, the sex workers, and the podcasters are the ones that get it. The sex workers and the, and the gamers got it first. Like, they just, they, they got, they've been doing it for years. The Twitch streamers been doing it for years. The yeah. only thing is the Cam Soda girl's been doing it for years. The podcasters have caught on in the last six, seven, eight, nine years, where it's like the amount of money that people are making from podcasts, not advertising, but subscription. But I said, when the, rep, when, when the athletes get it, and the musicians get it, and the actors get it, when everybody starts to get it, it was like, oh, man, like I can make my own movies. Now I'm Netflix. I can make my own music and I don't need I can bypass the label. 
You know, I can make workout videos and show my training regimen as an athlete. So when they tr- come and try to sign me for a $10 million contract, I'm like, I'm making that in subscriptions on fan base. I need more than $10 million. That's, yeah, I need more. Y'all are tripping. Like, there's no way. So that's what disruption is about. There's limitations to the amount of money that people can get. So when you see like Mbappe getting offered a billion dollar deal, trust me, that's going to happen to somebody with streaming. That's going to happen to one of these streamers. They're going to say, we're going to give you a billion dollars to sign for like five, six years just to stream on our platform off subscriptions and watch. That is going to, I just keep yeah. saying like, all right, y'all, y'all don't believe me till it happens. So it's like, oh, okay, I see this because the ability to press and click and buy something with your fingerprint or your face scan in real time instantaneously with billions of people and impulse purchases and kids don't look at paper money no more. My little brother's 17 years old. All he knows is he clicks a button and the shoes show up from StockX or GOAT and they come to his house. That's how fast people want to spend. So yeah. once you turn money virtual, you virtual virtual currency is virtual spending. That means it takes the time for you to get in your car, go down to the mall, take the cash out, wait in line, buy the shoes, maybe get the shoes, maybe not. I can just click a button. I got it. I can click it and I can watch it. I can click it. I can see it. That is the future. I wonder in this space, right? When we talk about companies, we always look for the moat, right? The competitive advantage that it has over another company. Is it tough to create a moat in this space or does it have to be evolving? Do you have to change it to make sure that you're ahead of the curve of the the companies that are, like you said, there's legacy, there's middle age, and then there's ones that are startups. Are you changing that? Like, what's what's the challenges when trying to create the mode? Or is there one that is substantial to you that other people cannot do? I think the only th- I think the only thing that I that I've recognized, right? Like, I'll say like, um, I've seen platforms come and go, right? Tech companies come and go, and the major difference is is usually a company that's not founded by us that tries to buy the culture, that tries to pay this creator to bring their audience to the platform, and they don't stick. And so one of the things that I'm not worried about is the authenticity of being a black founded tech company that caters to every person on the planet, but I'm not trying to buy the black audience. All these platforms are going to have to continue. It's one of two things. They're going to put something out there and we're going to do what we always do, which is the gift and the curse of being black is which we can't help but innovate. Like I said, we see a pile of Legos on the table. We just got to make some cool shit out of it. We got, we can't help it. We got to flip it. Right. But we're flipping it. To, to someone else's infrastructure. We're flipping it. We're, we're taking, we're taking someone else's clothes and turning them into the brand or the handbag, or we're taking the app or we're taking the car, or we're taking whatever it is and turning it into something that on the infrastructure side is owned by somebody that is not us. And they never return those dollars back. So my biggest advantage, I feel like is being one of the only black founded social media startups, because again, I can build, I've proven and my team has proven I can build anything at Instagram, TikTok, Patreon, Clubhouse, YouTube, Twitch. I can build anything that they can build. They can't build me. They can't build us. That is the missing ingredient. It's literally the chocolate and the peanut butter. It's technology and black culture. You put it together, you have something, boom. You put fashion and black culture, you got something crazy. You put automobiles and black culture, you got LED star ceilings and TVs and the headrests and all this kind of stuff. The innovation part of what it is to be black, right? You put record players and, and Grandmaster Flash together and you get DJing. And he, but, but then you got Serato and Techniques and Pioneer and none of us own those companies. And then they're worth 
10, 12 billion dollars and Grandmaster Flash isn't worth 10, 12 billion dollars. So I'm I'm starting at the infrastructure first and I say, let everybody innovate. So I feel like that's my advantage is that I understand it's not corny for me to be seen on stage standing next to little baby. That's not corny. That wouldn't look crazy. That wouldn't me and Drake on stage wouldn't look crazy. I think I think little baby and Mark Zuckerberg standing side by side will look wild to people like what is going on here? Like that don't that don't look right. It doesn't look natural. It looks like, oh, he's paid to be here. He's whatever. And that's my that is my point is that the authenticity that goes with what we're building is real. But it's the tech know how and the and the and making that happen that I think is 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 our secret sauce, which other platforms don't have. And I know this because I hear these people that work at these companies or used to work at these companies tell me. I'm not I wouldn't even lie. Like I leave names out of this, but people call me like, oh yeah, we know about you over, they know about you over at Patreon. I told so-and-so that y'all suck. Fan bases, the shit, the way they roll out product, y'all kicking y'all, they kicking your ass on the way that they roll out product. And all of a sudden, now everybody's concerned about algorithmic curation and suppressing content. And I hear what I say coming out of these companies, and I take it as a feather in my cap. I hear, oh, we're doing subscriptions and Instagram does subscriptions. I hear we're monetizing audio, and that's what Clubhouse tried to do or AMP try to do and then they gone and they were trying to buy everybody in the sun. They were trying, they were trying to get everybody from, from, from Jason Lee to Candy to Joe Budden to Nick Cannon, everybody to come over there, at Amazon. And then that company is coming gone. So I was like, it, it don't work like that. Like, so yeah. I, I know this. We've always been a catalyst for innovation, but how do we truly get equity? I feel like we get used whether audience or creator, but what, what is your plan and how as a community, do we get more equity opposed to just selling off to these bigger institutions? And do we even really want equity? And do we really want to be rich and wealthy? I mean, of course, I think I think it's extremely important that we do, because when you look at like the the when you look about the, you know, in the 50s and the 60s, the ability for people to take equity from their homes and put their kids through college while, while there is this racial inequity gap between black black people and, and and white American stuff like that. I mean, how we get equity in these companies, I think the most important thing of how we get equity in these companies is, is that we have to allow ourselves to own parts of them and invest in them. Use equity crowdfunding. This isn't like like fan base is not the first black company to do this and won't be the last. In fact, like I said, when I got started, I introduced other companies to do this. I have, I have introduced four, three or four other startups that have gone on to raise a million dollars and I'm about to do two more. I can't say, but my point is, and they're all different companies, but I'm like, I'm in, I invest in the companies. I put them on start engine. I put money into the company, just like people put money into mine. Shout out to the black bread company. Shout out to crown and hops brewery. Like you definitely need to have crown and crown, Benny Ashburn and them on here, crown and hops. You need to have them on here. You need to have the black bread company. If you haven't had them already, um, there's some black, woman founders that haven't launched a campaign that are about to, I think they have a really great app that's about to launch. And there's somebody else that we know that I think is going to do some equity crowdfunding. And I've made all those introductions because I'm trying to perpetuate the ideology of man, forget these folks trying to deny you a bank loan, forget these VCs trying to give you less than 1% of $400 billion raised for your company. Forget what's going on with like Arian Simone and them. And I'm trying to take that with the fearless fund and all that because of the, because of what the Supreme court says with affirmative action, it's like, let's invest in ourselves. Let's you start the business. We all invest in it on a piece of it. And that's the only thing we use. You make the bread company. That's the only bread we buy. 
You make the you make the app. That's the only app we use. You make the clothes or the only clothes we buy. You make the car. That's the only car that that, that we drive. Like you gotta have. You gotta talk to you guys. Know Derek Bailey? Have you heard of Derek Bailey? I hadn't. You need it. So you need to talk to Derek Bailey. So Derek Bailey is the only black owned automobile maker in America that I know of. And he's out of Atlanta, Georgia. He has a company called Derek Automotives. As a matter of fact, he's trying to corner the car conversion market. He can take a pre-existing gas vehicle and switch it to an electric car in a week. That's going to be bigger than people buying electric cars. Me being able to take my car down to Derek and switch it to an electric car to meet the demands or meet the requirements of uh, 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 fossil fuel consumption, that's going to be bigger. There's 600 million cars on the planet that are gas being able to convert. And he's trying to train young black men to put, to be in mechanics, the mechanics of the future to convert those cars. We need to be investing in companies like those. That's how we, that's how we get equity. That's what we want to do. Like we need to be. And, and that's the thing that I say is more important is when one of the things that I do all the time, and anybody can say this is when you guys are not in the room, I'm talking about you to everybody. When when Ryan Wilson and TK Peterson are not in the room, I'm talking about him. When Pinky Cole's not in the room, I'm talking about her. Right? When when Charles and, and then Black Bread Company, I'm with all these businesses, I'm talking about these people when when I'm not in the room. Whenever I get a platform like this to even tell people about it, I'm talking about these people because that's how we spread this information and let everybody know. That's what I mean by like I'm always like I'm an open book to the information and say, look. I'm talking about everybody. I, I, I'll plug anybody with any person under the sun because I think that's important because we can't have these silos of, I just want to be the only rich guy or I just want to be the only popular person or I want to be the only black guy in tech. Like, that's corny. Like, that's, forget about that. That doesn't matter. Let's let's all get in this and like really talk about each other when we're not in the room. Well, Isaac, definitely appreciate it. Um, yes. Let the people know how to follow you and, and the futures for fan base, if they could still invest or if they could, you know, how they can download the app and uh, get started. Um, well, yeah. Follow me on fan base at, at Isaac Hayes three, download the app. I want you guys on fan base too, man, because we gotta, we gotta do some, we gotta do some EYL stuff on fan base. And I know there are other platforms, but I think there's a real, like what you guys have, like, I think you guys would would add so much to the community over there by what you're doing. But the only thing I'm shouting out today is Fanbase. You can download Fanbase on Android or Google. Um, it's the it's the purple icon with the white F lightning bolt. This F behind me that you see here. This yeah, office that you see these employees walking in and out of. Like this was all in my head. Like you know, on a piece of paper five years ago, and it's a it's a three dimensional building that's raised ten million dollars and continuing to grow. So. We got to get y'all. We got to get y'all over there. Some audio rooms, some curated spaces. Really have some great conversations and start building community. So I, I want you guys over there. Shout out to Afrotech for joining Fanbase. They joined Fanbase a couple of days ago when I when I made my comment. But it's like they're there now. So, <laughs> what was your comment? Y'all need to be over here. Essence. All y'all need to be. If, if, if you if you're black in media, you should have a Fanbase account. You should really be over there. Shout out to Drink Champs. Drink Champs is over there, EFN, like they're oh, they're on fame. They're posting on fan base. So That's again, like, shout out to those people. So I, I just I want more of us over there because if we blow this one, I'm telling you, I'm gonna be sitting around here like this. Like we had our shot. We had it. It was right here. Technology, like like tech infrastructure from, from a global level. This is our shot. This is this is the shot to really get in there and do something incredible. And I was like, we blow this one. 
I'll be looking like, man, everybody got all the Instagrams, got all the subscriptions and all that kind of stuff. I, I told y'all, you know what I'm saying? But I just know that this is our opportunity to really take control of an infrastructure play and combine it with the innovation. We're going to do what we're going to do. People getting on fan base, making us make changes every day. They say, y'all need to add this. We add it. Like they innovate it every day. The users are the ones that make the platforms cool. We got to listen. I got to listen to what my little brother says. My little brother says we need live streaming to play video games. What you think I'm gonna do? We yeah. build like first quarter. We going first Q1. We going into live streaming. We're going into like oh okay. We need to have Twitch like that. We oh y'all need to have something like Zeus or y'all need to have something like Netflix on there. We can put the movies in like Tubi. What you think we doing Q1? That's what we doing. So that's yeah. what I mean. Is like but and we're gonna innovate those spaces. So um. Again, thank you guys for always having me on here, man. I appreciate Ian Dunlap, man. I appreciate you too, man. I'm, I'm gonna earn my spot. I'm gonna earn my spot on the Invest Fest stage, on the main stage. I already said that. You, you don't have to. Don't don't give it to me. Make me earn it when they when it's time. When it's like, man, we gotta have Ike on the stage. That's fine. I I thank you guys for having me at Invest Fest this year. It was a great experience. All the hospitality, everything you guys always show me, man. Y'all some real dudes. I seen some real ones. I can call y'all. Y'all are part no, I appreciate of. Appreciate you. It's it's it's, it's Roland Martin. It's Charlamagne <laughs> in the Breakfast Club and y'all. And that's those of y'all the ones that have always participated. And Frank Ski, Frank Ski, and, and yeah, shout and, to Frank. And, yeah, because y'all have been supporters and yeah. real with this from day one. Appreciate, Appreciate you, brother, brother, man. You, man. Always, always an honor, man. Keep going. Thank you. Shout out to Isaac Hayes. Yes, legendary. A wealth of information, man. For sure, definitely. Um, a lot, a lot of gems that he dropped. Um, I think it was interesting when you talked about Kaisen it, and um, you know, as far as becoming a billionaire, uh, I just saw something about Mr. Beast, Mr. Beats, um, El Presidente. Yeah. But um, but yeah, yeah I mean, they the, saw that right. Mm -hmm. The the subscription model, I think, is definitely something that um is is you know happening, and it's going to continue to happen more and more. Um, whether it's you know Joe Button in the Patreon situation or the streamers, yeah. and you know you get to have a, a small amount of people, but dedicated, and yeah. um, you know it, it drives the revenue. Yeah. We, we're, we're seeing it from a, a corporate standpoint, right? Like we we're seeing the breakdown of traditional TV down to strictly direct what I want. Yeah. All right. So whether it's Paramount, whether it's uh, Max or Discovery, whether it's Disney or Netflix. Very specific, very catered to what I want. I might not have yeah. 300 million people on my uh, cable provider if I'm Comcast or if I'm Verizon, but I got 5 million. And that 5 million is going to pay that monthly subscription. So, I mean, this is even more streamlined down to the point where now people can have, they are the channel, yeah. right? We, we, we don't need a network. You are your brand and your brand becomes a channel and your audience becomes your community that pays the subscription. So, we're seeing it from the, the highest levels down to, to not even down, but now at this level. The world's going to have to adjust. Uh, I don't want to watch Ancient Aliens all day and all night. Shout out to those of you at History Channel. I appreciate you and love you dealing with um, Got a cape just in case they're watching. But I, I think um, one of the biggest things I'm seeing in podcasts that are failing and shows that are failing, the business model is terrible. Every time we go look and see hey, another breakup, it's like, how long do you think that sponsors which were going to sponsor you and the numbers weren't good um so i think we're going through a revolution like we had like a a, a revolution in like 05 to like 07 in like the internet space and i think we're going through another one again and people are trying to find their footing and it's an exciting time it really is so 
Exciting. Exciting to say the least. I ain't gonna say too much, Rashad. Shotty <laughs> looking like, bro, stop. <laughs> About to go too far. Yeah. yeah, definitely interesting. Interesting conversation for sure. A lot of you know, subscription tech, social media, a lot of different things that it covers. Yeah. Do you think there'll be too much saturation in the subscription market if his plan works at scale? Yeah, I think I think it's there now. Really, if you look at it, like you know, anybody can have um, Instagram subscriptions now. Anybody can have it. Yeah. Anybody can have OnlyFans now. Um, anybody can have Patreon now. So I feel like um, it's already kind of there. I guess it's just a matter of people, you know, the cream rising to the top, right? And people just, you know, really standing out. It'd be like anything else where the vast majority of people, like anybody can make a YouTube video now, right? But very few people actually make money from YouTube. But, you know, if if you are at the top, then you can make money. So I feel like it'll be the same with the subscription. You know, you have a small group of people that will be making money. And the vast majority of people might make like $10 a month off their subscription. If Trump had that MAGA subscription when he first came out, boy. <laughs> I'm like, boy, you use your fan base wrong, my boy. Ooh. Yeah. I, I did a couple of calculations. I said. Mm. Is it is his social media, th- is, is it still trading? Or did it's, it's, it's going, it's right? Floundering. Floundering, it's, right? Yeah. I thought it was going, it was on the path to being delisted. Yeah, I don't know if it's there yet, but it's not doing too well. Yeah, that rumble, all those, having a little tough time. Yeah, tough time. There you have it. Well, before we leave, speaking of tech, um, what's your prediction for 2024 when it comes to the tech market? Uh, do you believe that tech will be uh, in a boom year next year? I believe so. Um, well, we talked about Apple and Google earlier. I think um, kudos to Zuckerberg and Family, hope you need heels fast. I came back to Toronto. I didn't play no basketball this time. Shout out Frass. I'm feeling good, though. <laughs> I think Meta is going to have uh, an amazing year. Um, I think they're being slept on in the AI race, and I think they're going to make some adjustments there as well. Um, I haven't talked to anybody on the inside, but I can kind of see things lining up. Like As their team is being more streamlined and more focused, I'm looking to see, to see some innovation there. So, like, the big five are going to remain incredible, but I think NVIDIA is going to drag a lot of the market up. Hopefully, AMD will come out of a slumber. But I think Meta will do great. Apple will do great. Google. Um, yeah, the, the, the brought in Qs, the triple Qs will, will do pretty well in 2024 before they announce we are in a recession. So we probably will melt up for for a while before we have a strong, strong pullback or correction. Do you think, and I agree with you, um, but there's a part of me that says that this is the unfortunate part, that there will be continuous layoffs in the tech sector. Yes. Companies, number one, and we saw it this year with pretty much all of them, maybe outside of Apple, that has substantial layoffs, which helps bring up profitability. I said, I want to preface that by saying, unfortunately, these are people that are losing jobs, but- there's going to be a battle between automation and human skills um, as AI becomes more prevalent inside of business models. And so if we talk about those two pieces, 2023, we saw the beginning of it, 2024 and 2020, the future is headed yeah. that way. And so more layoffs will happen, which will cause more profit for these companies, but that will lead more people to be unemployed, which then again helps the inflation number come down. 
yeah, an unfortunate series of events, but I think this is where it's headed. I agree a thousand percent. Unfortunately, a lot of people, more people will be laid off. And I think we're interest, entering a interesting era where there won't be a soft landing and the economy will be rougher, but the stock environment will be a lot better as a result. It's unfortunate. You would think if more people are being laid off, it will have an inverse effect, but it's more capital available for the company. And you're not investing as much into human capital, which puts more money on the books and helps you raise profit margin. Mm-hmm. Like every business comes down to how much money are you keeping in NVIDIA, one of the hottest tech stocks on earth, high price point, high profit, 57% profit margin. Crazy. I don't know why people aren't looking at that number. That's better than the drug business. Sackler family or PMF. I don't care who you pick. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> they have a legal tech cartel right now. And the companies that could have bought them out early, I know they are mad that they did not. Their CEO is another CEO you don't hear much about outside of NVIDIA. Not saying he doesn't have other extracurricular affairs, but I don't know what they are. I like my CEOs incredibly focused. And as a result, they're dominating. Eli Lilly, another one. Can anyone in chat tell me what the CEO of Eli Lilly does on the weekend? No clue, unless you live in Indianapolis. No clue focused you have to be lean especially when we are pre-recession high inflation and companies are not performing and like Rashad like you said the cream is going to rise to the top yeah I know everyone think we party all the time and not focused even the parties are business the walkthroughs the business the walkout is business all of its business stay focused if you want to get rich if I made you money please put yes in chat yeah I, I wanted this and my final thought we I've been hearing a lot of chatter and we've been talking about it all year, recession, recession, recession. That will be happening in 2024. Um, but it's interesting. What definition of recession are we expecting? <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, two it negative changes. quarters by definition is a recession. We remember we, we covered this early in the year and then the president spoke about it. And, and the, some of the tech companies, we, you know, 2022 felt like a recession. 2023 was sort of a rebound year. We're talking about the, the growth of NVIDIA. Microsoft has done well. Mm-hmm. Apple has been up almost 20%. Amazon, same thing. Which definition of a recession are are they talking about? For the first time in a long time, I'm going to say, I don't know. <laughs> they they changing the rules. Like a three-point is now a one-point. Like, hey, this is a free throw or not? They're changing the rules as they go along. I mean, I think that it's not going to be a recession next year for the simple fact it's an election year. So they're going to do everything that they possibly can. The The Federal Reserve, the, the the president is not just one person. It's his whole administration. So nobody wants to just lose their jobs. That's the golden rule. Really? What's the date of the election? I'm going to cut you off. November. Six. November. I believe it's the seventh next year. The eighth, they'll announce it. By the way, I won, but by the way. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, it's no way. I mean, it yeah, would have, to be, it would have to be uncontrollable where they just can't stop it, right? Yeah. Which that could potentially happen as well. But they're going to try everything that they possibly can to avoid a recession. Like I said, not just the president, but when you look at Congress, when you look at the Senate, when you look at all, everybody mm-hmm. that is a, a Democrat for sure, um, they're going to do everything that they possibly can or a, a government appointed from the Democrats or president. They're going to do everything that they can to, to make sure that at the very least the, the boat stays afloat for this year. I agree. Um, because obviously that's tremendously bad if if we go into a, a deep recession the year of an election. Yeah. That I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen. 
November um, 5th. Election day next year is November 5th. But that that's kind of to the point I was going to make. It was we were in one and then they technically wouldn't call it one because some of the metrics didn't meet it, the definition. But the negative quarters did meet it. The two negative quarters did meet. Yeah. There were CPI, like PPI, all these numbers didn't match the recession. So it's, it's like, what? how are we defining it? You know what I mean? That's a great area. And going to what you were saying, Rashad, um, I posted this last week, but U.S. banks have found a new way to unload risk as they scan- scramble to adapt to a tighter regulation environment using synthetic risk transfers. So what that tells me is there's a whole bunch of bad debt hanging around. But if I reclassify it, how they did this recession, yeah, recession won't land when it's supposed to. It's kind of like felons when y'all get caught cheating. You're like, no, that's just my cousin. I was helping to take in the groceries. You know what I'm saying? No, Shout real, ones, real, ones, don't, real ones don't cheat. You heard real you. ones don't cheat, right? <laughs> Ever. Shout out to Jeezy. Shout out to Jeezy, boy. Legendary. That's fascinating what they're doing with these synthetic transfers. <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating. So fascinating mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> yeah. I said, boy, you good. Neil was good too. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I don't think that, you know, I don't think it, I don't think they're gonna let it happen. Um it's gonna be a lot, a lot of money thrown at the economy, a lot of stimulus, whatever it takes. Yeah. Whatever it takes, all make sure, make sure it gets done. That's that's the rule. Yeah. Number one rule during an election. Um, so we will see. It will be interesting to see how the stock market moves in 2024. But um, I read an article today that they said that Apple might be the catalyst for a tech bull. Shout out to my baby. Kudos to everybody at Tim, Tim Cook, everybody in HQ. Stay there. Shout out to those uh, men in Toronto who work in Apple. Hey, load up. The, the rich are only going to get richer. Just ride along with the whale. I know some of you want a new, the the Russell, the IWM, Russell 2000 mid-cap falling apart, bond market falling apart. How long do you need to hear us scream to tech to index before you just, come on, man. Drake and J. Cole announced that they'll be going on tour. Big as the what? It's Solar Big as the what tour? He just finished the tour. Now he's going on another tour. Will they see you there? Will you be Smart. at? Will you go? You going to this? Drake and J. Cole? Yeah. yeah. Group out in. I don't, I'm not like buying it. I'm not like waiting in front of my computer at 12 a.m. on Friday to like. <laughs> you got the chat. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Are you going? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'll be here. Yeah. I like maybe. to go. I'll be Troy, here. let me know what date you're going. Uh, I'm gonna try to go a, maybe a couple cities this time. I've seen the shows in oh, New York. Okay. I might want to do uh, Drake in Toronto this time. I wanted to catch it this year, and I think we were out of town. Out of and what? And when this album dropped, Joe, it's your fault. I told you last week, <laughs> the boy and Cole was gonna get together and team up. And okay, yeah, I, I, all that criticism. Shout out to your act. Everybody ever here? Hey, hey. Yeah. He's, a dope, he's a dope performer too. I, I've seen him a couple times. I like his live yeah. show. So them together, that should be some good energy. Ian Dunlap and Marcus Mondays calls out Joe Button. <laughs> Joe was courtside at the Knicks game yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, he tried to dab Julius Randle up. He was like, nah, that's his hand. My man hand hurting. We're all good. Joe hey, Button. and I'm going to say to y'all, clout chasing, stop clout chasing. It's not going to go well for somebody. Please stop. I want peace and love for everybody. I'm so glad we don't got to do that goofy stuff. Oh, God. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Let's not do that. And and we, we start with happy birthday. So I want to end with a happy birthday. Yes. This Sunday, our nephew, legend Michael McDonald. Hey. Turning one. His first birthday. 
happy birthday to legend shout out to his parents mike obviously and jess uh we love you of course um so happy birthday to him and a big supporter a huge supporter of market mondays of the earn your leisure brand uh leah shout out to leah she's young as charles she was actually part of invest versus here through mcdonald's um she's been rocking with us for a long time has a is an author at such a very young age so shout out to leah happy birthday to you and of course of course the one and only yes Bam McDonald's. Mr. Vibes himself. <laughs> Happy Pete birthday Bolo. to Bam. If you ever seen Bam out with us, you know why this is is, is much overdue. Bam. Bam is is he like the it, we can't is he officially the vibe curator? Because that was maybe he's an assistant to the vibe curator. Depends what kind of vibe. <laughs> hey Shoddy. <laughs> True. On a good night, but on a bad night, it'd be like. <laughs> Yo, that guy is full of energy, but it's, oh, he, he leads with love, man. So, shout out, man. Happy birthday to you, my brother. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday across the board. It's a lot of birthdays. Was it Scorpio season? Yeah, it, it is Scorpio, Scorpio season. season yep. Yeah, for sure. Happy birthday to everybody that's uh, celebrating their birthday during this week, Scorpio season. It's a lot. A lot of birthdays a lot. this week, uh, yeah, for sure. sure. So, all right. Well, <laughs> another Market yeah, Monday yeah. in the books. Derek Hayes. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Slim Thug. Oh, tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just about to ask. Tonight, tonight, yeah. tonight. My, to my boy Slim Thugger. He's a good dude, man. I really like, I like Slim Thug. Thug a lot. Houston, um, you know, legend. Legend in, in Houston, but just a legend in the rap game, period. Hip-hop culture has done a lot for, um, you know, the vibe, curating that 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 Southern music, Texas. Um, so, you know, he's an entrepreneur. He's a real estate investor. He, he, he does his thing on so many different levels. So, Check that out on Revolt tonight. Hold on, hold on. We're not going to breeze past that. What kind of vibe y'all set for this? Because y'all been killing on AOL. For Slim? Yeah. We was at his house. Oh, y'all got the car tour and all that? Nah, nah. So he keeps the cars in a different location. Yeah, okay. So it's a crib. crib. (laughs) (laughs) There was a few cars there. There was a few cars there for sure. You know, he got like 24 cars. A couple acres. But yeah, we was at his his crib. And um, that was dope, man. So shout out to Slim Thug. We was with him all day. We had dinner with him after that. Yeah. Dope. Solid dude. Yeah. Nah, Slim. Slim was Slim. Slim. Slim's one of the ones, man. Cool. Super cool. Laid back, dude. Shout, shout out to the country of Texas. <laughs> Thank Still you for embracing me. Still tipping. Yeah. The production been amazing. This season. Appreciate like, that. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Shout, out to, shout out to our family on Revolt. They, uh, you know, they, they, they do a hell of a job. But uh, yeah, that comes out tonight on Revolt and then Wednesday on Revolt's YouTube. So shout out to Slim Thugger in the whole the whole Houston, you know, H Town. Y'all know how we do. Yeah. So uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. No monologue, Shadi. I'm talking. Maybe we'll next week. Next week, next week we get. Keep the peace. Next week we'll choose violence. Next week we'll choose violence. I think we got a relationship um episode coming up pretty soon with a guest that um we could talk about a lot of different topics circle on the calendar already can't wait you gotta wait for it it's gonna be one of them ones cannot wait <laughs> they're gonna have to wait listen my, my, my love relationship takes me going viral i'm gonna stop <laughs> <laughs> i'm done guys are crazy man. It's needed. these guys are good it's needed yeah, everything hurts needed. it's needed but um all right, all right. Everything earned. Everything earned. <laughs> earned in season, right? Earned season. Earned your compliance. Yeah. Love is love, man. You heard. I love you. Peace. Peace. Take your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. 
you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.